probably spent the first month trying to figure out what was in it for her, <laughs> you know. But I guess you have to take a person at their word that uh, they're actually into you, you know. It's hard to figure women out. Well. Still working on it. I mean, you're an interesting, yeah. polite gentleman. Sure that, I'm sure that's... That's a good way to I'm put sure it. I'm sure that's a big... No, it's a lovely, that's a lovely well, way to I'll put it. I'll bet a lot of people... I'm probably a little... Interesting gentlemen don't necessarily uh, come in there all know, the time. I'm probably somewhere on the Asperger spectrum. It's probably a little closer to it. Folks, uh, hello and welcome to episode 91 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, good evening, uh, my name's Ian Loring and as always I am joined by... Matt Foster, hello guys. Yes, or I, even though I say that, but um, I think probably the next show that comes out, I would say I'm probably not even going to be on it. No, you're, 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 you're not. Uh, you're quite welcome to come on, but uh, we wouldn't want to spoil things for you. Why would uh, I? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, what Ian is, is hinting at there is um, Noel and myself are, are essentially hijacking to give you a special bonus episode. Um, that's Noel Mellor, uh, a.k.a. Film Rant. Um, we're going to bring you a, a kind of... A, series wrap-up, a show wrap-up uh, of Sons of Anarchy, which actually ended last week. Um, so this episode will come out before that, but then the episode after that, it won't actually be an episode of Dude and a Monkey, there'll still be an episode of Dude and a Monkey that week, but it'll just be a little bonus for any guys who, uh, listeners who are following uh, Sons of Anarchy or did follow Sons of Anarchy, or anybody out there who wants to do it, it's just an easy way for us to get it out onto a feed uh, as like a one-off special. So we will be doing a, a TV show, I know, it's a horrible thing, but it was it was a, just a way for I think I think me and Noel to kind of get some kind of closure uh, to it all and um, a, a space where for an hour and a half two hours we can sit and just sob at each other about the uh, the end of uh, of Sons of Anarchy, um, which I think both me and Noel agreed that was was absolutely magnificent. But we'll we, we shall get into that on this this bonus episode that we'll be recording and hopefully we'll be out um, next Saturday. Nice, and um, uh, I, I would suggest you call it dude and a mank-y. <laughs> 
I shall do that then. Yeah, there you go. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to watch Sons of Anarchy at some point, but I don't watch much TV as it is. So my list of shows is as long as your fucking arm. So, uh, but yeah, uh, so that should be a, a good little bonus treat for uh, those who have watched Sons of Anarchy. So cool. Um, coming up on this week's show, we conduct an experiment as... Um, I have this week watched both of the extended editions of The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey and The Hobbit The Desolation of Smaug. And within the last six weeks, I've also watched all the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. And uh, Mark has not seen either of The Hobbit films at all. Nope. Um, so, not have I read the book. Uh, there we go. So we're going to review The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies um, from a position of Having a fair bit of recent knowledge about it and having no knowledge of it whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can I also add in there? Um, I didn't even watch a trailer for The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five <laughs> Armies. Uh, can I also add as well, if my memory serves me correctly, I don't think I even watched a trailer for The Desolation of Smaug because I, I think I said when you watched the trailer and you, you can remember you quite enjoyed the trailer of The Desolation of Smaug. Sure. I remember saying to you, I, I haven't watched it. The simple fact is I'm not going to hear it. I just have, I have no interest in it at all. So my reaction to it would be, nah, and that, that would be it. So I just didn't watch it. So I, I literally had no idea. <laughs> What, yeah, so um, what what I was going in for, but I, I liked the idea of that. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Even though we we had a bit of a discussion on Twitter about it um, mm. uh, this week with uh, with a couple of people, and um, I don't know. I just I think it would be quite funny to see what your point of view is, to be honest. Um, so yeah, we got that coming up, and uh, we'll also do some one old one new, uh, some trends which we'll get into in a minute, and also the next part of our. Um, um, whatever the fuck we're calling this marathon, <laughs> but um, uh, some um, under-scenes Scorsese stuff as we uh, have a look at his 1997 film, Kundun. Um, so, Mark, anything to add, or um, or has adding already been done? I think adding's already been done. Um, there's not been an awful lot in the film world has happened this week. Is There's probably something I'm, I'm, I'm major that we're missing. I mean, apart from, like, the Sony hacks and whatnot, but, I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah, um, it's a strange one, that one, really. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean... I don't know, like, I, I just, you, you can't help but hear about what the stuff was just through being in the social media spheres that we run in, you know, I think you kind of pick up enough. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, it, so it was a little bit like, I think we already know that, you know, Angelina Jolie's an egotistical bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think we already knew that, didn't we? Um, and... Men in Black 2021 Jump Street or Jump Street crossover. Well, I'm sorry, that just sounds fucking cool. Yeah, I'm bang up for that. You know, I really, really hope that's not just some bollocks. I, why the fuck not? You, you, you can't do anything else with a sequel to 22 Jump Street. You may as well, I mean, the, the end credits of that film alone have kind of put paid to it. So you may as well just go completely off the reservation and just do something random. And yeah. I say fair fucking play to him if that happens. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's all a bit. To be honest, I haven't actually seen that much about the the, the, the Sony hacks. I've kind of, I've, I've just been incredibly busy at the moment, so I've not really had time to kind of follow it that much. Um, and and really, I, I I don't actually have that much. It's just one of those things where if a conversation started on Twitter about it, I I sort of have a look and see what the conversation was about. Maybe join and give my point of view based on that. But 
it's never something I'm actually going to actively search for, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's not out of, that, and I'll be honest, that's not out of some kind of moral grounding with this kind of thing. I don't think it's comparable to the fappening hacks that people have been saying it's comparable to that. It's not. It's just not. The two are, the two are, are linked by the fact that they both happen via hacks and it's personal information. But let's be honest, they're not the same, are they really? No, I mean, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it kind of, for me, it comes down to, if you're going to do this through your company's uh, intranet and something happens to the company's intranet, mm. be prepared for what's going to happen when the thing happens to the company's intranet. Yeah, it and, just, and Sony's you, a PLC. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I mean, I like Sony, you know, have had some rough hacking times with the PlayStation Network as well. Mm. You know, it's not a first time for Sony. And uh, even though this is kind of like, it seems like it's for different reasons, like why the hack took place in the first place. But I, I don't know. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there, I think there is a difference between reading articles about Scott. No, um, uh, oh, fucking who was it? Megan Ellison or whoever. No, um, uh, her who shit. What is her name? Um, who runs Sony? Stacy uh, something. But I'm um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I do apologize. But how um, cool. Something like that. Sorry? Is it Powell or something like that? Powell or something like that? Maybe, I don't know. I can't remember. But, um, like, there's a difference between <laughs> calling Angelina Jolie a bitch and someone posting pictures of Jennifer Lawrence's topless pictures online. I don't know. It just, it, it depends on, on your moral point of view, I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't like my emails to get hacked, but at the same time, I don't think I write anything at all defamatory in my emails anyway. Oh, know, all so. my emails are defamatory. Oh, right. All of them are horrible. Uh, but it just, it seems to me like the next time um, that uh, Sony get that um, free trial of AVG, that's the full thing, that they should just, you know, when it comes to the end of it, what is it, thirty nine ninety five for a year? They yeah. should just pay it. Let's be honest. They spent 150 million on the Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think they can afford thirty nine ninety five on AVG upgrade. I think it's... that's the final word then. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, good. So uh, let's let's move it on. And uh, quite a few trailers this week. So uh, yeah, they've uh, been, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let, let, let's let's talk about the big one. Uh, the Mad Max Fury Road, the first actual proper trailer. We got a, a snippet of footage um, on from Comic Con, which we were all really impressed with. But now we've got an actual fucking trailer, uh, and it, it it's a thing of pure beauty, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is magnificent. Um, I was within 15, 20 seconds. I was fully erect and remained that for the entire night. It was just incredible. I've seen it, I watched it about six times now because it just looks magnificent. It will bomb horrendously. It will get reviewed, panned by every critic, but it I, will be, I will be surprised if it isn't one of the most fun movies of the year. It's going to be one of those ones that I think where it's going to show that the online film community cannot will a film into being a blockbuster on its own. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like it, it's the genre press are going to go mental for it. it. You know, you know, mainstream critics will not. And yeah. Even though I mean, some of the visuals in there do look like on a big enough screen. And taking the film for what it's trying to be, you know, I'd like to think people will just accept it. And it's also in a kind of a, 
you know, if you don't like the look of the trailer, don't bother going to see the fucking film because it's going to be what the trailer is. I don't think anyone is is going to say they were missold. You know, mm. it, it looks like it's basically a gigantic car chase with Tom Hardy saying fuck all and insane visuals. I mean, there, there's there are things in this that look like they could be the climax of any other film. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to be all the way through it, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, the, the, the stuff at the end with, like, the fire whirlwind and the guy, like, being launched up into the sky and being thrown back down, it just, uh, yes, please. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, it, it just, in, I think in a summer where there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of big, big, big four quadrant aiming, like, kind of, fa- like, family blockbusters. To have something like this coming out, which feels so fresh, especially next to something like Terminator Genesis. Mm. And, and, and bearing in mind, this is based on a franchise that got started before the first Terminator film. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it looks relevant, whereas Terminator Genesis looks like... It's set the, 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 the years in the future, again. and yeah, and it, you know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does. It it does look like it's going to be an absolute blast. I mean, I have no idea what certificate they're going for because the trailer is very ambivalent about that. You know, it could be fifteen. It could. They could even pussy out and go for a twelve eight. It wouldn't make me not want to watch it. The thing is, they might be able to get away with a twelve eight if there's no blood yeah. and if you know if it's fantastical enough. That it just seems like it's not playing in the real world, which to be fair, this could actually do that. But it would be weird to see the content in this trailer leading to a film that's a 12. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I would hope for a 15, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that disappointed. Let's be honest. 12 is, I'm getting a lot more lax nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. No, true. True. Um, Uh, but yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, the next one was the, uh, the gunman, um, Sean Penn getting the taken treatment. Um, but, but then again, it looks rid- ridiculously entertaining. It looks like it could be a nice sort of good action flick. Um, you got Sean Penn, Idris Elba in there as well. Uh, I think Ray Winston's in it, which is, you know, it, it's nine out of ten times Ray Winston being anything he's just like nails down a fucking chalkboard but then there's the one time where he's in a good film where you go do you know what it works your your Ray Winston-ness works in that role um, so yeah that, that looks quite entertaining um, Wild Card the the new um, Jason Statham movie uh, directed by Sam and West, so I think they worked together on Expendables and The Mechanic, Mechanic. Yeah. which The Mechanic was one of those strange movies that uh, actually literally did nothing, but was actually really a ri- ridiculously enjoyable movie. I think uh, it's getting a sequel as well. It is, yeah, which yeah. Which is weird, very odd. Um, what is even more strange about um, Wildcard is it's written by uh, William Goldman, um, the Incredible. double Oscar winner. Yeah. Uh, so that's strange. Um the trailer makes it look like it's three films uh, smashed into one movie, um, and it will inevitably end up on end up getting released for a week and then be on Netflix two weeks later. Uh, but yeah, you know, Statham's always good for a good for a watch. Uh, he's a perfect midweek watch. Let's be honest, isn't he? Um, then there was the the first trailer for well, the first trailer and um, three months after the first trailer. 
uh, for Hot Tub Time Machine 2, uh, the most highly anticipated movie of 2015. Um, which makes it, which actually puts a different spin on from what we saw in the Red Band trailer that was released a few months ago. Uh, because it looks like it's actually a little bit more Bill and Teddy, uh, than was first let on. Like they have this time traveling hot tub that they keep on traveling into different times with. And that's what's happening with it. It's not just that they go into the future once. Uh, which, which does look like it could be entertaining if you liked the first one. If you didn't, just don't fucking watch it. It's as simple as that. Uh, and I really did, so I'll be definitely watching it. Uh, the second trailer for, uh, Black Hat. Uh, yes. or, uh, Cyber Bond, as I'm now calling it, in my brain. Uh, because that's just what it looks like, but it looks, it looks like a film that we've seen, or a subject that we've seen tackled a lot. You know, Transcendence tackled it earlier on this year, uh, but it's Michael Mann dealing with it. So you know it's going to look fucking great, and it's probably going to have, he's probably going to have researched it to an absolutely obsessive degree. Um, and it, it does look like it's going to be quite a gripping film. So again, still well on board with that. I am a little worried in that I agree that it looks like Michael Mann's doing his homework because he always does, but the visual representation of computing does look a little bit like it usually does in in that it doesn't look like anything like real life. I'm hoping that that literally is just trailer idents and that's not actually in the be, movie. That would be nice. Yeah, because I agree with that. There is, there is bits like you say the running through the wires and things like that. That that was that's been done since fucking Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, I mean like the the Fifth Estate last year ha- did a really terrible job of mm. visualising the concept of WikiLeaks on the net. Um, and it looks embarrassing. Yeah, and you, the, you, you can't... The thing is, it's really hard to actually kind of visualise what is a rather ephemeral kind of thing. Like, the internet's not really a tangible thing apart from, like, server banks. But it, it's just like, we all know what it is, just, I don't know, tell us. Yeah, you don't have, you don't, if somebody sends an email, we know that they've sent that email and it's gonna go to that email server and it's gonna be there to look at from anywhere. You don't actually have to show it slinging down a wire, going somewhere. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. It, it, it is, like you say, they're visualizing the unvisualizable to, to, to basically, out of fear that people won't understand the fact that it's invisible. It's like, do we do we visualise radio waves or do we just accept that they're there? Um, so, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I, I'm hoping that it is just trailer ident. Um, trailer for Still Alice, the incredibly depressing looking Julianne Moore movie uh, about um, Alzheimer's. Um, one of those things where I, I'll watch it at some point, but I'm not aching to watch something that I think is going to really upset me. So... I'll, I'll probably wait until I've got one time where I go, all oh, right, and it is supposed to be really fucking good. I'll give it a go. It's, it's, that's one of those ones where if it gets some, like, awards nominations, I will watch out of a sense of completion. Yeah. Well, but otherwise, I'll probably never go near it. I think it probably will, because it'll probably look like Julianne Moore's going to get nominated for, um, 
an Oscar for it. So, uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, then there is San Andreas, the... Yep. Um, disaster movie. Is it a, an earthquake or something? Um, starring um, Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock. Apparently, kind of Minogue's in it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul Giamatti and uh, Carla Gugino. Um Looks like it should be um, directed by what's his name? Fuck, his name's not my brain now. Who directed like uh, Day After Tomorrow and Roll Emery? Oh, yeah, it looks like it should be directed by him. It's actually directed by Brad Payton, uh, who did. Oh, he did the Journey Two. Did, did, did Journey Two? You know the uh, oh, Serious Islands. Yeah, yeah um, which the most interesting bit of that is where um, Josh Hutchins. Uh, is throwing uh, berries at the rocks pecs and he's bouncing them off them. That's the most interesting part of that movie. Uh, so if it's got some of that in it, I'll be well impressed. Um, yeah, uh, it looks like your typical disaster porn movie and they are basically going, look, it's got a rock in it. You'll fucking come see it. Uh, which we people will, let's be honest, won't they? Even though the release date, the fact it's coming out like really in summer... It's a it's a busy old summer, man, and it's like I wonder if this is one that could get lost between the cracks. I think this is one of those movies, like Roland Emmerich movies, like things like Day After Tomorrow and what was that other one he did? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve, yeah, like that. That that makes a shit ton of money, yet you know nobody that went to see it. Yeah, at sure. all nobody goes to see it yet it still manages to make 600 million dollars mm. that's what that movie will do um the next one was uh the walk the uh robert zemeckis uh, apparently <laughs> it's live action yet it looks like one of his mocap ones oh do you know what i didn't see this but fuck me yeah joseph gordon levitt in in any screenshot i've seen of him looks smooth and plasticky and Fucking weird. Yeah, the the the, the trailer. Right, I'll explain the trailer, and I'm not giving it away because it's a fucking trailer. Right, is Joseph Gordon Levitt going to the top of one of the towers? Right, walking out, looking at the edge, looking across at, at the other tower, then standing on one leg, and then it, it finishes. And I was watching, it going, that I was interested in this movie until I saw that trailer. Now I don't give a fuck. Yeah, sure. At all. And I was actually quite interested. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's running through all the things he's directed, uh, Zemeckis. And the last one it does, obviously, is Flight, because it's the last thing he directed. But then it reminded me that Flight as a movie exists. And again, it made me not want to see The Walk. <laughs> Um, so yeah, not not a brilliant one that one. And finally, uh, the Rec Four uh, Red Band. Um, now, the first two Rec movies are brilliant. I enjoyed the third Rec movie for what it was. Rec Four Apocalypse looks like a generic as fuck straight to Netflix horror movie. So why bother? All my interest seeped out after Rec Three. I'll watch it, but I. Rec three really annoyed me. Like it just in terms of what that, how strong the first two films are, and then you get Rec three. Yeah, Rec three was one of those movies. I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. I fell asleep the second time I watched it about forty minutes in, and I'm glad I fell asleep. But no, fuck Rec three. It was uh, no bad. 
anything else to add there, Ian? Uh, yeah, I'll just add the uh, the te- uh, teaser trailer for Inside Out, the new Pixar. Um, explains the concept of the film really well, but kind of almost looks like it's his own little short film in itself. Um, yeah, up for it. Um, made me laugh. Um, it's got pretty broad shit in there, but it, you know, that it kind of is what it is. Um, but I'm glad to see Pixar back and actually trying something that actually looks interesting. Um, yeah, sorry, teaser. And cool. that, that's all I had. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, I, I'm done as well. Sweet. Okay, so. Let's get into it. Uh, let's have a clip from The Hobbit, the battle to complete the contractual obligation. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. For mortal men doomed to die. lady you should have stayed dead the hobbit the battle to complete the contractual obligation is directed by peter jackson stars martin freeman richard armitage ian mckellen evangeline lily aiden turner um uh, a completely cgi'd billy Connolly, which is weird um Mm. and a bunch of other people. Benedict Cumberbatch's voice, briefly. Um, yeah, so, we pick up. Um, all spoilers all the time. All spoilers all the time. We pick up uh, from the end of the desolation of Smaug, where uh, Smaug has fled his stronghold under the mountain and uh, goes to besiege Lake Town. He gets killed about five minutes in, and then uh, there's a battle over the the mountain and the gold in the mountain, and Richard Armitage's foreign oaken oaken shield starts going a bit dragon gold madness crazy, and Bilbo stands around in the background and says stuff. Um, Mark, the Hobbit, the battle to complete the contractual obligation. Um, how the fuck did you cope with it? Well, I went to see it uh, with my daughter, uh, who had seen the first two Hobbit movies, uh, and um, on the way to the cinema, I, I mentioned, and I actually thought, I haven't actually asked her if she enjoyed the first two Hobbit movies. I was like, did you enjoy the first two Hobbit movies? Not really. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so do you mind coming with me because we can, we can go home if you want and I'll, I'll, I'll come later on my own if you want she's like oh no I, you know, I've watched the first two I'd, li- I'd like to sort of see the last one um, 
So going into it cold, knowing nothing, knowing literally nothing of the story. Um, I'll be honest, it was pretty fucking easy to pick up. Um, I got the idea that um, Bilbo was on some kind of quest with these uh, six foot dwarfs to go to um, this mountain to reclaim, or this is what I, I guessed it, what it was. I haven't looked yep. to see if I'm right. No, no, uh, no, no They're going to reclaim this uh, this mountain and thing because it was it originally, I guessed, was, was their land, but it's been um, stood watch over by Smaug, this dragon that's then been killed by uh, Lee Evans. Um, not Lee Evans. Luke Evans. It'd be fucking funny if it were killed by Lee Evans. That would have been uh, quite a However, however, would it have surprised you if a, uh, another uh, British uh, comedian had turned up in this? Nice. Um, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and obviously uh, I know some people will, will scream uh, at me saying this. It, it's in the same universe as the Lord of the Rings movies, so it looks like a fucking Lord of the Rings movie. Um, and... On a, a level like that, I I didn't, I certainly didn't dislike it, but um, it didn't have any of the the gravity or the um, the gravitas or the grandeur of the the final Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, it didn't feel. I mean, this this might be because I'm only watching this as one. I've not watched the other two. I've not seen the entire journey. Um, but to me, it didn't feel like this was the culmination of a previous nearly six hours worth of, of, of movies. Uh, add to that the fact that this is a 90-minute movie um, crammed in uh, two and a half hours. It doesn't need to be that long. There's far too much battle of it. And this is what my daughter said was a, was an issue with it and I absolutely 100% agree with her but this was what she said and she's 10 years old was one of my main issues with it was you could absolutely 100% tell that it was green screen yeah there is there and is barely any weight to any of the action actually happening on screen, and and I would say, I would go as far as to say that maybe three fifths of the action in this film, of the, the actual film in this, is some kind of battle. Yeah, I mean that's that's not the case with the first couple of films. I mean the thing is, the first film, there's barely any action in it whatsoever. It's an awful lot of setup and an awful lot of dwarves fucking about and exposition. And the thing is, I've seen the first one three times now. The first time in the cinema and, and then uh, extended edition twice. First time, I really didn't get on with it, but I kind of blamed the high frame rate on that because it did my head in. The second time, I got on with it better and I actually quite like the extended edition uh, editions in the in that one. But I watched it this time round, and it just, the whole thing feels like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but 27% shitter. Mm. It, it, it. It, it did feel a little bit like, and it, it's quite amusing, you call it the, uh, the Battle of the Contractual Obligation. It did feel like, like they got to a point in this movie where they were just, they were just going, we just don't give a shit anymore. And am I right in thinking, I read somewhere, that this was actually made up of footage shot for the original two movies 
and then they just did a little bit of pickup footage to add into it. Yeah, basically. To basically make a third movie, which is just, that's just, that's just really, really, really shitty to essentially go, that, that, that is filmmaking by accountants. They, they basically, they started uh, production on the two films and then part way through production that like Jackson was just like, I've got enough material here, including taking from like the appendices of the Lord of the Rings and whatnot to flesh things out and also inventing stuff like Evangeline Lilly's character is not in the book. Um, and so she's completely just, she's, she's, she's an invention of the screenplay. Oh, um, uh, yeah, so, and it's basically, when you say filmmaking for accountants, the one reason Evangeline Lilly's character is in this is so she could have, th- there could be a romance. Yeah. That is literally it. And if I was Evangeline Lilly, I would be fuming from that because her character in the second, is introduced in the second one. And she's a strong, independent female character for her first scene. Mm. And then she kind of like has a googly eyed scene with Aiden Turner's dwarf character. And then for the rest of it, it's basically her either being a mother figure or her fighting for her man. And it, it just, there's on occasion in the second one, there's interesting inversion of like, which one's the damsel in distress. But, with this one, it, it is basically her fighting so she can be with him. And she's entirely defined by her relationships with men. And the thing is, if you, like, the, the, originally, if there were no, barely, well, no front and center women characters in it at all, that's, that is, you know, that is bad, but it's the book. Yeah. I think what's worse is inventing a female character only to have her be completely defined by men. Yeah. That, 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 that is worse. It is worse, yeah. Um, because, yeah, because you're essentially, your reasoning for why, um, why isn't there a strong female character? Why isn't there an actual female character? Like, well, because we're basing it on a frigging book and there isn't one there. To then, like you say, I, I didn't know that, to be honest. Um, the reason why I didn't know that I haven't read, read The Hobbit is I don't like fantasy. It, it's something that doesn't appeal to me. Um, yeah. it, it can be too easy explained with, quite simply, wizards did it. And, and that, it, it just, it doesn't sit well with, with my brain. I, you know, I, I've actually, I've actually tried to read The Hobbit, but I got about eight pages in and went, I just, I just don't at any point see myself giving a shit. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem a little bit, um, I didn't know that, that, that seems, fucking stupid because i thought she seemed like she could be quite an interesting character and then she just stopped being an interesting character and they almost seem to be kind of cartoon characters in this a little bit um it's when you compare it to and i know you shouldn't but let's fucking face it you're gonna compare it to the lord of rings movies uh because this is three movies set against three movies and these just feel so insignificant in comparison and Jack, you know, the, the the third Lord of the Rings movie, what did it win? 12 Academy yeah. Awards? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on a general, even on a technical level, what could this win? Because the, the, the special effects, when those, when the, um, the dwarf mountain dwarf goat things are running up the side of that mountain to go and get spiky arm, that, that, 
looked like a 2D fucking computer oh, game. I'll tell you what was it worse. It was awful. The bit where I think it's either Legolas or Evangeline Lily's character. Oh, as running it's like up, uh, bouncing yeah. up the thing as it as the kind of the stone comes away. Yeah, that, that's Legolas. Which, which I'm pretty sure, pretty much exactly the same thing happens in uh, the second or the third Lord of the Ring movie. It, like, exactly the same thing, and that was what ten years ago, and it, it looked all right then. But that look, it looked. A lot of this film, I looked at it and thought, I it, I feel like I'm watching somebody else play one of the Lord of the Rings computer games. Yeah, no, I mean that that's totally it. It's the thing is, looking at this one and looking at the other ones, it's got this digital sheen to it. And the first one had CG all over the shop as well, but it also had miniatures. Mm. This entirely looks CG. And you've got Billy Connolly's character, oh. who is all CG. And it's just, just don't get Billy Connolly then. Just yeah. get, I mean, I like, I like Billy Connolly, don't get me wrong. Just get an actor and put him in a fucking dwarf suit like all the other dwarfs. Yeah, the, the thing was, with the Billy Connolly thing, was what happened um, in my screening, I was in a packed screening, um... And what happened in my screen was every time he spoke, everybody burst out laughing. Really? And it's like, uh, that wasn't even funny what you just said. He, he, he literally just th- said, where's Thorin? And everyone went, ha 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 Just because it's Billy Conley's voice doesn't mean it's funny. And that's what happened. And, and that is what they wanted. They wanted a recognisable voice. They didn't yeah. care. Whether or not it, it, it fit, it was just for people to go when they're leaving, going, "Oh, I want Billy Connolly funny." No, uh, he wasn't, no. because a he wasn't in it. His voice was in it. And he never said anything funny, and all he seemed to do was was headbutt people. And it's like, oh, he's headbutting people because you know he's a dwarf and you know he's Billy Connolly Scottish. <laughs> what? No, it's a little bit racist actually, but just no, and also. What the fuck was the um, Thorin wig out scene with all the gold enveloping in him and shit how like that? How long? Right, I've got to say, how fucking long does it last where he's walking about and there's just the voice, like the dialogue from before, mm. just playing it? It's like it must be about a minute of screen time of him walking with just voiceover of stuff that was literally just said a scene ago. Do you know what that, you know that, 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 what that looked like to me? You know when Disney do straight to uh, v, uh, VHS or DVD sequels to a really popular movie, like the Aladdin, the, I don't know, Butt of Jafar or whatever it was called, sure. that looked like a scene from one of those. And I'm watching this CGI gold sea stuff, like wrap round him and stuff like that. And I'm watching it going, this is a... This is a $250 million movie. This is a pivotal scene in the closing of a trilogy. And it looks like it was made in 1997. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the problem with this as well is that the first two films, there are like kind of nods to the fact that his granddad went mad with all, all the gold yeah. and whatnot. You know, and, and, you know, it kind of plays that stuff. And then straight away in this one, it's like, all right, he's on the turn. And then his realisation that he was wrong, it's not actually, it's weird because it's not defined 
what actually kind of knocks him out of it. No, because it, it the just... scene before, he threatens to, like, kill his best friend. Yeah. And then he's walking along, and then just suddenly snaps out of it. There's nothing there that actually, that really properly gets at it, apart from the voiceover of, of Bilbo. I don't... I... It, it just, it doesn't, and the thing is, I think Richard Armitage really tries his best here. I think he's actually he's pretty actually, good. Yeah, he, as, a, as a performance, as an acting performance, I, th- I thought he was he was very good. I, to be honest, I don't think as acting performances, there's, there's actually any bad performances in it. I, they, they, I they will say, Martin Freeman has a thing where he will... He's the same in everything. He's Martin Freeman He'll kind of like... He'll, he'll do something with his face and then he'll look at something and then he'll do something with his face again or yeah. his eyes. And that's his kind of way of emoting. Mm. And like every single scene, like when he's, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to speak to someone. He's like, well, yeah. well blah, blah, yeah. blah. you know, it, it just like, that's just his way of doing things. And I mean, the problem is Martin Freeman doesn't really have enough... I don't think he's terrible in this, don't get me wrong. But he doesn't have enough presence. And that basically means that the Hobbit trilogy just isn't about the Hobbit. No. No, absolutely not. No no way. Uh, I I mean, another minor minor gripe, um, which I I can say I I didn't dislike the film. Another minor gripe is if Peter Jackson's going to insist on every, you know, whenever a dwarf talks, having it as an extreme close-up of them talking, you could at least get your uh, your makeup department to make the beards look like they're actually beards. It was quite easy to tell which one had grown an actual beard and which one was stuck on. Sure. And again, yeah. it points back to the fact that this is a, this is a, a temple prestige picture. And something like the, the the dwarf with the big white beard. There. I swear there was a little bit where you could see the fabric that the beard sewn into sure. that wasn't stuck down. And I at first sort of thought, that looks weird. And it was every single fucking scene. And it, 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 it yeah, it is nitpicking. But come on. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not, seriously. I, it, it, and the thing, I mean, that's the thing. The dwarfs and all the people looked better in the Lord of the Rings films. They did. They just did. You know, you look at Gimli and he looks great. And then you look at Bomber, the big fat one. And yeah. he, he just, he looks like he's in the fat bastard fat suit, but with extra hair. You know, it, it just, I, it's really, I mean, the, the thing is, there, there is stuff in this film I like. I think the opening is fantastic. Yeah, it like, looks great, yeah. You know, and I mean, it's properly tense and exciting, and the choreography is is is, is fluid, and it's not just art CG armies hitting each other over the head and slashing swords. And I, there's the the bit where um, Ian McKellen is being saved by Kate Blanchett and Christopher Lee, and it's like the eye is just like flashing on the screen, and and yeah, it's kind that's of back interesting. To like Kate Blanchett being all green and creepy, and like that bit, it, it's just like yeah, all right, that's actually visually interesting. I like this. Mm. Um, and also, I will say, Lee Pace on his stag 
kind of like uh, picking up those guys with the stag and then chopping their heads off. Yes, that was great. Yeah, um, Lee Pierce is a, is a, is a, a very strange one, isn't he? Because he's he seems to play a shit heel in a few movies now. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, that his his entire character actually, I thought, was quite a lot of fun. He was just a bit of a preening ass. Yeah, that's the thing. He's a prick. That's, yeah. that's basically yeah. what his character is. And and it's, I, it's, it's quite enjoyable. And the thing is, at least he was a prick that I liked and could kind of see his point. Whereas that Alf, Albert guy, he, he just felt like, he felt like a Blackadder character in, in this, but no, a really badly written Blackadder character. And, and again, that is, Material, you know, if it was two films, he wouldn't even be in the fucking film. No, and and yet he he seems to every there was a lot of screen time with him, and I kept thinking, why does Luke Evans keep on giving him shit to do when every time he does something shitty, and he just does not learn? No, he runs off. His last scene is where he's got like the the coins that look like tits, and he runs off. Yeah, yeah, the coin boobs. That's so weird that that character's like focused on for so long, and it's basically he runs off with a load of money, which which made me think, where are you running to? Yeah, the entire world that you know that was in your existence is being destroyed by these five armies, which I couldn't work out which five they were, to be honest. Um, The the eagles were an army, and were they an army? That's it, because I had the humans, the dwarfs, the elves the orcs i couldn't get to a fifth are they the eagles the eagles are apparently the fifth army. Ah, that that's a little bit confusing and you know a couple the elves are fighting with the humans so that you know the, i don't think the humans would count as an army yeah, they, they they're actually, more yeah, the elves never go against the humans do they it's they not do a battle of five armies yeah, yeah. You're right. it, yeah. It, 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 so even the title don't make fucking sense and they and, changed that halfway through not production and also you know and again this all kind of feels like it's going to be in an extended edition and, but I mean like you can't extend how, a movie that's, 30, that's an hour too fucking long yeah well yeah how, the, how does the actual battle end because once they go up to the north and that as of the defiler and whatnot they're all about there they're all there until the end, and then they come back, and then the battle's over, and it's just like, how the fuck did this big battle actually, like, cease? Yeah, who's now got the mountain? <laughs> and, well, yeah. Because that, right. was, that wasn't made clear. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that, that's a good point. Lee Pace doesn't, like, say to Luke Evans, well, okay, we, here's the mountain, here's your stuff, go and live your life. It just ends, like, the last scene you see of Luke Evans is that scene where that guy's just, like, Blowing the horn. Yeah, there's a lot of horn blowing in this as well. There is. It's it's like, having a minute, right? All these people have died. You don't need to blow a freaking horn. There was an awful lot of horn. And of all the things that the dwarves brought on this journey, it was a dwarf-sized horn was one of the things that they loved. I'm sure at one point somebody must, even a dwarf must have gone, can we just create a bit more fucking food or something? Because I don't think we need this dwarf-sized horn. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, all this stuff, it just, it makes me snap out of it, where I have been trying to convince myself that I like the Hobbit films, to be honest. And The Desolation of Smaug is, 
is all right. Actually. What's the interesting yeah. character in the film? Though in this film, yeah, is yes. Falg. And he, Falg yeah. is great, and he's really good in the second one. And there's also uh, kind of a chase scene involving uh, the dwarfs going uh, like bobbing along a river in barrels, which is quite fun. Um, also, because a lot of it's practical, you know, um, oh, that, 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 that. which is kind of a rarity for for this. And the first one has the sequence with Gollum. Which is fantastic. Um, so, you know, it, but it just, it all feels like stuff that didn't need to be done. And it, it's, it's basically a trilogy that's going to gross in total probably about three billion dollars and yet feels like a footnote. In five years, no one is going to be talking about the Hobbit trilogy. No one. No, it, it, it's, you know, it, I mean, this just feels a little bit like it's it's a Lord of the Rings version of Wake Up Ron Burgundy. Sure, it's 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 the Mexican non-union equivalent <laughs> of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like it's been directed by Senor Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, Senor Jacktinez. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That'll do. That was way better than mine. Um, you know, and it, 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 it just. You know, I mean, frankly, I think you enjoyed it more than me, and I'm the one who watched the fucking two extended editions this week. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is, it's too long. I mean, it is, it is too long because there's so fucking long. I mean, I haven't said that yet, but Jesus Christ, did it? There's, there's, there's a that battle scene is, and watching it going, do you know what? Do you know what? We've already seen this all happen before. It is just generic, generic CGI fantasy battle scene number three. And that is all it is. And at no point was it, was it interesting at all until you had a small group of them, of the dwarfs, went up the side of a mountain to go and buy, to go and fight, um, Spikey Arm. And that was it. That's when it got interesting because you could, you could actually, you know, you, you can't bring in a character and go, look, here's a character. He's voiced by Billy Connolly. We've just introduced him. Care about him. Done. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, he might have been in, in, in the film earlier, but I've not had anyone talk about him. But it, it just... No, yeah, and it just... <clears throat> and, you know, it, you've got um, Legolas. I, I just thought, this is Orlando Bloom essentially going, I'm still relevant. Still relevant. Yeah, and and also looks ten years older than he did in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. where it's it's a prequel to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and he's not supposed to age. Yeah, yeah, he he, he looks he looks rough. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. He actually looks a bit haggard in this. Yeah. And elves are not supposed to look haggard. No, he he looks he looks like his face has doubled in size. Yeah, yeah, touching cloth. Um. I'm touching cloth. I can't go definitely not shit because it's a bit shit. And but, I can't the, the thing, and I can't go definitely shit. I can't because there's just about enough in here where I'm like I, I'm just like just get it over and fucking done with. But I will. I I'm pr- I am fairly confident unless it's with Lottie or any other future kid. I don't think I will ever watch the Hobbit trilogy again. That I'm selling the extended editions on eBay because I've got them both on Blu-ray. They're going on eBay tomorrow. But the Lord of the Tri- uh, Rings extended edition Blu-ray box set, that's going to be there ad infinitum. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'll say there is I'm, I'm never going to watch the Lord of the Rings movies again. Um, but 
I know um, Bex has said that she wants to watch the Hobbit ones at some point. Um, so I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, because I didn't hear this. I, I will probably watch the the Hobbit movies with her at some point, um, and I'll, I'll watch this one again. But after that, I can't see me ever watching them again either. I, I actually genuinely think this is the worst of the three. Which you know, I haven't heard a lot of people say that, but the first one, there is a sense of nostalgia, frankly, and there's the riddles in the dark scene. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's got, it, it has actually got a moodiness in it at, at times. Um, and the thing is, the first, the, the unexpected journey is the one that kind of harkens back to the Lord of the Rings most. So it kind of gets some bonus points for me there, even though maybe it shouldn't do. Desolation of Smaug, I actually think is genuinely a good film. Um, the Battle of the Five Armies is, it makes the trilogy redundant because it's because it's just not handled well enough. No, it, it, it isn't. It's I'm not a Peter Jackson here, uh, but this is a badly directed movie. I, I'm really looking forward, and I'm sure Peter Jackson is to him not being in this world anymore. I, I think he was looking forward to getting back to it and wanting to get into it, but this did seem like like halfway through it, he's gone. Oh, I'm so bored of this. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. The Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies. Who the funk it? It looks like Mark enjoyed it a bit more than me. So there you go. It was worth doing. What I will say as well is when I saw it, um, I had to, because we got there, well, actually we got there five, ten minutes early, but because it was a packed screen, I had to sit in the front row. Uh, which is never good, but to be honest, where I saw it at the sixth screen, there's a good distance between the screen and the front row, so it wasn't like I was uncomfortable or anything like that. But a woman came and sat, a woman came and sat down next to us uh, with her kid and her husband, who, by the way, I went on Saturday and he was wearing shorts, um, so he's a winter shorts cunt. Um, I made a kid with them that was about three four years old who was constantly rattling a drink in the armrest and I had to lean over and say sorry could you stop him from doing that please because it's incredibly loud and irritating Uh, and then the kid fell asleep about 20 minutes into it and was snoring to which I again sort of leaned over and went if he's asleep why are you just checking out it was this isn't a baby by the way I have no problem. If if you're a, a screening, a, a baby, you've got a baby and it's crying. Yeah, I don't think you should probably take it to the void cinema. But I don't actually at that. I can drown that out. I can white noise it. It doesn't make a difference to me. But this was a three, four year old kid audibly snoring. Yeah. And just don't take it to the fucking cinema. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, oh, fuck it, I, honestly, she, they, they were the people as well who brought all of their own food. They were oh, the absolute they worst. And they turned up as the film was starting as well. Hmm. And I thought, oh, these people are cunts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cinema, cinema goers, oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, right. Let's move on. Uh, let's get on to some one old, one new. Oh no, let's listen to some promos first. Here's some promos. Here's some promos, then we'll we'll continue after that. In a world without adventures and VHS, the book (laughs) comes a world with adventures and VHS, the book. Every journey begins in the mind. 
time travel, Gary. In 2013, Noel Miller embarked on a series of VHS adventures that shook the world of podcasting to its very core. He's the kid everyone used to pick up. Now, through the power of the written word, he's back and ready to take those adventures to a whole new level. Described by its overzealous publisher as high fidelity for the video rental generation. And described by Mondo Movie Podcast Dan Audi as bringing the half-forgotten days of 80s video rental stores vividly back to life. It's working by itself. It's working by itself. Adventures on VHS is an immersive trip through a long-forgotten era through some of the films that defined it. An experience too terrifying for words. Available to buy now from adventuresinvhs.com with a whole host of fabulous full-color editions showcasing the glorious cover art of the VHS era. The story of one man's disturbing romance with an obsolete format and the weird and wonderful films that shaped his love of movies. And if this person is listening to my voice, I urge him in the name of law and order to desist from this one-man crusade. Adventures of VHS, the book. Buy it today. I'm going to kiss you. Your very life may just depend on it. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Okay, so we are back, and it's time for one old, one new. And uh, Mark, start us off, sir. Uh, I'm going to start you off with my uh, my one new. Um, both of my films are Christmas themed uh, because it's December, and I watch a lot of Christmas movies in December. Um, there's not actually an the problem with Christmas movies. There's not an awful lot of new Christmas movies you can get to because they don't really seem to make them anymore. Oh, even though, did you see that Get Santa film, the Jim Broadbent as Santa one that came out in the UK cinemas last week? No. It's on the US Netflix. Is it? Fuck yeah. it. Oh, is, 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 is it supposed to be shit? Well, it's, weirdly, it's directed by Christopher Smith. Oh. Um, oh. So, yeah, director of Black Death, Severance and Triangle brings us Get Santa. Actually quite interesting now. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, uh, well, I watched another... Um, New Christmas movie, uh, the uh, and actually the final uh, movie that Robin Williams uh, made, A Merry Frigging Christmas. Um, all stars Joel McHale, um, Lauren Graham, Oliver Platt, uh, and Clark Duke. Uh, it's the story of um, Joel McHale's character uh, Boyd Mitchell. Uh, who, when he's young, his dad, played by Robin Williams, essentially destroys Christmas for him by telling him that Santa isn't real and that Christmas is just a big sham. Uh, and this happens on Christmas Eve one time when he's drunk. Um, so 
John McHale's character, uh, Boyd, grows up, moves away, and he massively overcompensates and wants to make Christmas a magical uh, occasion for all his family. Um, and it's a Christmas where he's got a 10-year-old daughter and a 6-year-old boy, and the 10-year-old daughter... Uh, doesn't believe in Santa anymore. The six-year-old son still sort of does, and he wants everybody to pretend that Santa's real to just keep the magic going for one more year for his uh, son. Um, then he gets a call from his brother, played by Clark Duke, uh, who says that he uh, is now a dad because a woman he was seeing who had an affair with a Mexican man uh, then left him with the baby that she had with the Mexican guy, so he has a Mexican baby. Um, and he's going to have the christening on Christmas Eve, so Joe McHale and his family have to go back and spend Christmas with his family, and obviously he doesn't want to, because his dad's a drunk arsehole. Uh, when he gets there, he realises that he's forgotten all of his son's uh, Christmas presents, so then has to go back home to get the Christmas presents, and his dad has to drag him out there. That's the basic premise of the film. So, you know, you can pretty much tell what happens. The really strange thing with A Merry Frigging Christmas is you watch the trailer and it doesn't look very good. I'm not going to lie to you. It doesn't look great. It just looks like one of those generic straight-to-VOD movies that we get nowadays. But there's a few laughs in it, in the trailer, right? For instance, there's a bit where, and this is in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away, where Joe McHale does get back home, but he's left his keys back at his parents' house. So he throws a a, a plant pot through um, his window. And then Clark Duke says, do, do you know you just threw a plant pot through your window? And in the situation, it kind of, with the characters, it kind of makes sense. And then there's a bit where they get in the house and Clark Duke's character says, um, do you have a bathroom in this house? Because I kind of need to go to the toilet. And Joe McHale's character responds with, well, yeah, actually, you know, surprisingly, we do have indoor plumbing because he lives in a massive, big palatial house, right? And there's a couple of these moments, right, that are kind of funny in the trailer. The weird thing is, none of them are in the movie. Every single funny moment right, that is yeah, in the trailer isn't in the movie. The scenes are in the movie, but the actual, the jokes aren't there. Have they, they put in, like, alternate lines? Or no, anything? no, they, they just they just cut off before the joke's about to happen. And they're just not, and this isn't one or two, it's three or four or five little bits that just aren't there. And I watched two different trailers, and they're in both trailers, yet they're not in the actual final movie. <laughs> and it just makes no sense. Um, as a film, I'm not going to go too much into it because it's not very good. Uh, there are some funny bits in it, there are some funny lines in it, but it, it's it's one of those films where I I would never normally say this, but it it's over in 80 minutes before credits. Seven, I think I clocked it at about 76 minutes before credits, which is barely a film. Um, it could have done with another 10 minutes to flesh it out a little bit. There's a constant bit where um, the uh, the sister of Joe McHale and uh, Clark Duke, her um, Robin Williams constantly refers to um, her husband as being a, uh, a pervert. But then it never really gets explored more than that. 
that he's a sex offender, he's a pervert, other than what it sounds like is that he uh, he jacked off in front of a bunch of nuns or something like that. But it doesn't make sense. Also, Clark Duke's character um, has um, PTSD. And Joe McHale's character can't understand why everyone indulges this PTSD, uh, where if anything loud happens or anyone argues, he starts freaking out and has to run into a quiet room um, because he was in the army. But it's never explored beyond the fact that Joe McHale says, but he never he never did went into battle or anything. He, he fell off a of a wagon at basic training uh, and got a, a, a honourable discharge. And every time he says that, Robin Williams shouts he was injured defending his country at him. And that's it. But it, 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 th- there's moments like that. Like, yeah, a, I'm kind of selling it to me, I to am, be honest. Yeah. It actually sounds quite funny. The thing is, there's, there's some moments like that. There's some good Robin Williams moments. The bit where they, they accidentally hit Santa, played by Oliver Platt, makes sense. But it, it it's just... It's a movie that really could have done with an extra 10, 15 minutes. And it could have actually been, instead of being like a, a 5 or a 6 out of 10, it could have been a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Because there's enough there's enough fun there. But it just never quite gets to being fun enough. I watched it last Sunday night uh, and got enough enjoyment out of it that I thought that was all right. But I'm not going to add it into my constant Christmas rotation, to be honest. Fair enough. Okay, so, I, I, I might actually watch that. Um, it, it, it's not not worth a watch, okay. is what I'll say. Uh, so, yeah, so that was my one new. Go on, then, give us your one old or one new. Yeah, I'll do my one old. I'll, I'll go fairly quick on this as well, just continuing the Christmas theme. We we started our kind of Christmas movie watching last night um, with um, Arthur Christmas, um, which is on Amazon Instant Video, uh, which I'm still telling you, Amazon Instant Video is all right. Um, Under the Skin and Inside Lewin Davis are both on there at the moment. I've got them both on Blu-ray. Yeah, so do I. But <laughs> I'm just saying they've got. Uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, the thing is with with Amazon Instant Video, uh, the way the reason why I cancelled it was more if I could buy that every year for fifty quid, uh, or I could pay for it on a month by month basis at a fiver, I'd probably have it. But I resent paying £79 for that and Amazon Prime when I never, ever, at any yeah. point when I used Amazon Prime, did I ever get anything on time the okay. next day. I even, I even tried using it the last, the day before I cancelled it. I thought, right, I'm going to give it one last go. And I ordered the Vanishing Point um, Steelbooks. It was 7 99 Not the Vanishing Point one. The two lane black top. Savvy the other day. Uh, so it wasn't valid, it was two lane blacktop. Still. Um, I ordered that and it was seven ninety nine and I thought, right, Prime said it's in, said it's got eight in stock. Prime, I order it at nine in the morning. It should be here tomorrow. It arrived four days later. Shut the fuck up. What, four really? days later. Yeah. All right. Well, fine. All right. All I'm saying is, Amazon into the video. The range is an awful lot better than it was when it launched an awful lot better. Um, so, yes. After Christmas. So, uh, Donna and I actually went to see this in the cinema uh, a, a few years back. Um, we were pissed as well, um, which I'd forgotten. But, um, yeah, it was us and just a lot of kids and parents, and we were sat in the front row just getting drunk. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... I actually... 
I quite like Arthur Christmas, I must say. Um, it's it's in the film four kind of Christmas movies trailer at the moment as well. So I'm guess I guess it's playing film four in the next couple of weeks. Mm. And uh, you know, it's got it, it's got the kind of the usual Ardman slightly like shambolic kind of nature to it. But I mean, but it is CG, not stop motion. And I mean, I, I really won't be long on this one. Um, I mean, the story is basically um, Arthur Christmas is Santa's son. Uh, <coughs> he's uh, a well-meaning guy, but um, he's kind of like borderline mentally disabled by the looks of it. Um, and uh, essentially a uh, toy doesn't get delivered. Um, and Santa's kind of like high tech operation led by um, his other son, Steve, voiced by Hugh Laurie. Um, it, it still leads to a present not getting delivered. And so uh, Arthur tries to deliver it with the help of Grand Santa, voiced by Bill Nighy. Um, it's just fun. Um, there's, you know, there's a bit of moral messaging in it about, like, Christmas basically being about trying to make people happy. Um, which, you know, I mean, it is simple, but in, in kind of a, a CG animated kids film world where 99% of them are like, be true to yourself. You know, don't doubt yourself and you will succeed. It's nice to have something quite simple, just uh, just like make people happy. That notion that I um uh, I, I quite enjoy actually. Um, but I mean, it's kind of visually um anarchic as well. There's there's plenty of mad stuff going on. There's a scene that plays out with a big tub in the background that just has a label saying chimney lube on it, um, which which I think is quite funny, you know. Um, it's it just there's there's it's not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. It's not a classic. And it kind of feels like they were going for the kind of like it's going to be in the in the yearly rotation kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it it doesn't really do that. It's the idea of um, Santa having this like high tech operation and like there's a part of it that's almost filmed like it's the fucking Hurt Locker or something. Where it's like handheld war reportage of um, uh, of like uh, them chucking stuff in uh, uh, things into dogs' mouths to like keep them distracted, and then like the camera is kind of like running like manually like behind them, you know, it's it, that that kind of thing, which it, it feels a little bit like oh you're, you're kind of like stretching a little bit here, but um, I I, don't, I mean like I say the, the message in it is good. James McAvoy is maybe five percent too keen in his vocal performance um uh, you know it's kind of weird to think that this, this guy did this and filth you know it <laughs> yeah. just it's, it's very very odd um but you know it's it's absolutely harmless enough and it passes the time absolutely fine I mean, it's it's like an hour and 40 minutes long which is quite long for a cg kids animated film to be honest but it, it, um you don't ever really get bored um the ending does there's a little bit too much going on where like there, like there's three different fronts trying to get a present to this put to this kid and it it's just a bit much but i overall it's a nice film to watch with a drink with like the the, the heating on and the christmas tree up and that kind of thing so a you know it, christmassy movie yeah yeah i mean it totally is you'd never you would only ever watch it in the month of december 
uh, obviously, but I mean, it, it does the job well enough, you know, so it's, it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it. I mean, it's not great. It's not, it's no elf, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna watch it at some point this, this Christmas, I've not actually seen it, but I've, on your recommendation, I've thought, you know what, yeah, I'm gonna give it a go. I'm not, I'm not a huge Ardman animation fan. Um, it, it kind of, I don't like the fact that they always add a quintessentially Britishness to them. Um, it, it just, that's something that grates on me a little bit. But, you know, it's Christmas, I think I can, my, my Christmas sentiment will be willing to go, do you know what, fuck it. Yeah, there you go. And it's got, it's got chimney lube. And it's got chimney lube, which, which did make me laugh to just thought of it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so, good. Uh, so, uh, moving on to your one old, Mark. Uh, my one old uh, is the 1983 John Landis comedy uh, Trading <laughs> Places. Uh, oh, yeah. Which, of course, is set at Christmas uh, and is... Um, it's strange going back to look at Trading Places because you've got Eddie Murphy, you know, this was the second movie he made um, after 48 hours and it's pre kind of Axel Foley. Um, so he's got, and, it, and obviously it's pre um, him playing every single character and writing all the movies himself, you know, so it, it's good for a start off. Um, it's good Eddie Murphy, he's got that kinetic kind of energy and that sparkle and that laugh still makes you go... Oh, and, you know, it's wonderful, Eddie Murphy. And it's Dan Aykroyd, you know, before he did um, Ghostbusters and things like that, when he, you know, and before, it, you know, he became Dan Aykroyd and Ass uh, as well. And he's very good in it. And then, you, of course, you've got um, Jamie Lee Curtis, his incredible breasts are in it. Um, and there's all this wonderfulness to it. And, you know, Landis was a you know he still remains he's you know he was a very good director and you know when you look at the you look at the the kind of the plethora of, of movies that he that he made it's quite it's quite incredible um you know that he went through you know things like um you know animal house and blues brothers and then american werewolf and trading places and you know he, he seems to do a lot of really good things uh, but then it is brought down by the fact that it is incredibly racist in places. Sure. Um, which is, you know, is jarring, to be honest, now watching it. You know, um, the fact that, you know, that, that there is the line, you know, you know, I'm, are you going to let a nigger run our company? And it's like, fucking hell. You know, this isn't, this isn't a, you know, a Christmas comedy. This isn't in a, you know, a race relations crime drama or anything like that. This isn't Mississippi Burning. This is a, essentially a throwaway comedy. And there's some, you know, quite bad, you know, racism. This isn't joke racism, but it's, it's dealt with like that. And it's quite jarring to see that in a modern movie because you just, you just wouldn't get it anymore. Uh, and then you've got, I, I, I always forget it happens and I watch this movie every year and then he comes out and you've got, Dan Aykroyd blacked up and I'm always like you know that on its own would be alright but when you're mixing it with some of the actual the scripts it, it, it's just not right <laughs> it's just not right but taking all that away I still every year enjoy uh, training places you know Dan Aykroyd's descent into madness you know him you know getting on a bus drunk uh, and then pulling out an entire side of salmon out of his Santa costume and biting into it despite the fact that his beard's all matted up in it and bits still still makes me laugh. Uh, 
Eddie Murphy, you know, like I say, that kinetic energy that he had, you know, where he's doing the whole, the two cops lift him up off the, uh, off the, the, the little cart that he's on at the start. Uh, and he's kind of just hanging there that eventually he realizes he's got to put his legs down. And then he does the whole, I'm cured, I can see. And it, it's fun seeing Eddie Murphy do that rather than, you know, Pluto Nash and shit like that. And it, it, you know, and then of course you've got Jim Lee Curtis. So I actually think, you know, even if you take away the fact that she takes the top off, because there's quite a few people take the top off in this movie. There's the, there's a five minute period where it's almost like Landis went, do you know what? I want to see some titties. And all the women in, in every scene seem to take their tops off. Um, I think Jim Lee Curtis is, it, it's a great comedic performance and there's a general kind of, there's a warm performance that kind of breaks up all of the coldness yeah. and the confusion that's in this movie. Um, and even, you know, when you take away all of the, the unpleasantness that is in this movie, you know, the unpleasantness comes from people that, that end up getting their comeuppance. And it's still fun as, as, as a Christmas movie. And I do enjoy watching it every year. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got, I haven't watched Training Places in a while, actually, but it's, um, I, I actually put a clip of it on the, at the start of the show, um, a few episodes back. Um, but it's one I definitely need to uh, need to go back to. But I I can't say it's one in the rotation for me. Yeah, it's, it's one in the rotation. I'll be honest. Every year for me, I always watch Trading Places. Um, just because I, I like early Eddie Murphy movies. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Go cool. on then. What's your one new? Okay, so uh, again, I won't go into this uh, uh, too much, but um, one new is one I've been talking about on Twitter and one on Facebook. Uh, so I watched The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, so kind of doing some 2014 catch-up type stuff. Um, so based on a novel by John Green starring Sh- uh, Shailene Woodley and Ansel Elgort. Um, uh, so basically, uh, Shailene Woodley uh, has got cancer and uh, she has to carry around a... Uh, kind of an oxygen tank with her wherever she goes. Um, and she is at a group for kind of cancer sufferers uh, that she doesn't really like uh, when she meets um, Ansel Elgort's Gus, uh, who is in kind of remission from cancer, but um, he's had to have his uh, part of his leg amputated as a result. And uh, they start up a friendship and uh, that soon develops into something more. And uh, it's basically about the travails of uh, these two uh, kind of like getting sick and what happens as a result. Um, so, yeah, um, it took me a while to get around to this one because I've been like, you know, since Lottie was born, I've been a little bit more susceptible to stories of kids dying frankly mm. um uh, and uh you know just the kind of the the, the kind of like the sadder tinged stuff but i'm i'm starting to kind of like get my balls back a little bit i think but i say i think because uh, the fault in our stars really fucking got to me quite a lot um and the thing is i don't think it's because of any major manipulation it's because Shailene Woodley and Ansel Elgort are really good mm. and really good together in yeah. this. And you just want to see them be happy together, like genuinely. Um, and when bad stuff does happen, it is pretty heartbreaking. It's not just 
the cancer as well. There's a scene with Willem Dafoe, which is brutal. Yeah. Um, and re- but really well played, and you know it's fair play to Willem Dafoe for doing this role as well. Um, but he gives it real bite, and you get the sense that even though his character is drunk. He fucking means this shit. Yeah, he, he, he's not just a cantankerous drunk. He's a cantankerous bastard. Yeah, who's been fermenting in it for years. Yeah, and uh, the wonderful thing about Willem Dafoe is he never, no matter what he does, he's <laughs> never. Willem Dafoe will never be an actor that phones anything in. Yeah, quite, quite. So, again, uh, and, and I mean, he, yeah, he puts himself in it. But I mean, like Shailene Woodley is fantastic. Um, I mean, Ansel Elgort, I, I've not seen him in much, but he's not made he, much. No, I mean, he's his character to start with does it is kind of seeming like he might he has the capacity to be annoying, mm. but then you do you realise that it's all a defence mechanism, mm. and you it, it just like the kind of potential annoying stuff kind of falls by the wayside. Um, there is one moment in the film that I've heard works better in the book, but one moment in the film, uh, and those who have seen it will probably know what I'm talking about, just saying one moment in the film, uh, yeah. in, uh, involving the Anne Frank house and something that happens in the Anne Frank house, which it's, I get why it happens, like why one character decides to do something, but the Mistress. reaction of the people around them yeah, it's it's a bit of a misjudged punch the air moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's very that's very well put. That is, um, so yeah, I, I yeah, I really really liked it on the strength of the performances. It feels like a really high grade version of this kind of film. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I I was I watched it with my uh with Isabel, a daughter, obviously, um, because it's, it's a Fortnite it's a big thing in that kind of around kind of her age group. Sure, sure. Um and so she really wanted to watch it. Um and I I I sort of said, well I'll watch it with you. Um she said, well do you want to watch it? I said, well I, I'm actually I'm kind of interested. Um because I saw a few people on Twitter who kind of said, you know, Actually, it's quite good. I've seen a few people say it's shit, but I've seen a few people say, do you know what? It's, it's actually quite good. So I was kind of interested and thought, what's true? And thought, well, actually, yeah, it does look a little bit like it's going to be emotion baiting and it's going to attempt to pull on my heartstrings. And it might do that. And I, I don't like to be kind of emotion manipulated by films. But I, Isabel kind of liked it. Um, but I, I really had a connection to it. And I'm, I'm the same since I've come down. I'm going to have 10 years. Um, I'm the same in the sense that I've become a bit of a pussy of this kind of thing. Um, because you become a protective nature, uh, over not only your own kid, but of kids in, in general, because you realise that how difficult it is to cultivate a child. Um, and, and it is, it's not so much the story. The story is okay. You know, the direction is Okay, it's a little bit heavy-handed. I think it, it, it absolutely is the the central performance of Shailene Woodley and, and Ansel Elgar. Um, the, the moment that fucking that really got me was the the moment where uh, they're at the uh, petrol station. Oh, and he's just like something's wrong. Something's wrong, oh, and he's coughing blue, yeah. and he, he's saying to her, "If you call 
if you call anybody, I'll never speak to you again. And she's, she is, there's a moment where, you know, she stops and thinks, and there's a, there's a, I don't know what to do moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, but then she, she catches herself and goes, no, I do know what to do. I need to call somebody. But it's just, he's just, it's the, that's the moment for him where he knows that's it. That it's beaten yeah. him. And that it's the first moment in the entire film where he's given himself. He's given up and he's said, this has got to me. Uh, and it's, it's gonna beat me. And it, it just, Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> fuck it. Um, I think the people who are going to watch this were going to have watched it by now. Uh, I, I, I will I will say, 20 minutes in, spo- spoilers, 20 minutes in, I knew he was going to die before her. It was just a question of whether she was actually going to die in the film or not. But I knew he was going to go before her. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I knew that going in. I, I don't think it's very subtly dealt with, to be honest. No, no, it's, but it's, I don't it's think it's a detriment to the story because the story is the story and it's there. And I don't sure. think it's I don't think it's a twist or anything like that. The kid dies, but it's the performances, and that bit fucking got me. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a very, very strong movie. Yes, the the Anna Frank House bit is is completely misguided and misjudged, but it doesn't do enough to sully the fact that it's actually really quite a, a good movie, to be honest. Yeah, no, it, it genuinely it is, and I mean, like she she had the spectacular now last year. Mm. She's got the fault in our starters this year. Shailene Woodley. All right, she's got the Divergent films, which is kind of helping her with her like mainstream career. Good on her. I'll let that slide. But also, good actress. I'm looking forward to what she does. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching uh, White Bird and the Blizzard, the uh, Gregoraki movie she's Uh in. Um, I'm 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 one of those. uh, I'm I'm more Mondo Dan than I am Mondo Ben in my reading of uh, Gregoraki movies. In the fact that I I actually really quite like them. and so I'm actually kind of looking forward to watching uh, White Bird and the Blizzard. Um, Nothing I, wrong with Kaboom at all. No, Kaboom's a great movie. Uh, I also really like Doom Generation. Uh, and yeah, I, I like a horse with nowhere. I like a horse with movies. Um, but I know that he is a little bit... He's a little bit Marmite. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, following our stars, if you... If you're doing some 2014 catch up at the moment, it's, um, it's, it's worth giving it a go. Which I, I am at the moment. I, 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 it's one thing that is, you know, and this is each, it's completely each to their own, but I'm very much of the thing of, it's, it's what, today's the 14th of December? Yeah. There's, what, 16 days left of December? 16 yeah. days of this year? Yeah. And I've been seeing like end of year lists since like a week or so ago. So you've got three weeks to fucking watch stuff, catch yeah, up. I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near fucking ready. And it, it, people are going, oh, but, you know, at this many list, but I haven't seen this, this, and this. It's like, that stuff's out there. You know, not like out there. Like, you can buy it or you can watch it on a streaming service. You know, you can watch Under the Skin on, like you said, Amazon Prime. You know, you've got fucking three weeks. It's a two-hour fucking movie. It's, and it's Christmas. You can have some time off. Watch it. It's great. It might get into your list. I mean, I, I've got, um, I bought a new blue, new Blu-ray player today. It's got Curse on Home Cinema on it and, um, the, the Samsung oh, smart that, player. That app is horrible as an interface, though. Uh, well, 
be that as it may, I'm not going to be using it that much because I'm not no. going to be paying a tenner to watch films that often. To be oh, honest no, with you, no, but... it's one of those things where you know, yeah, yeah it, it's all right to use them, but as a seriously cousin, you need to make it fucking better than that. Oh, good warning for me then. But um, the, the, the Russian film Leviathan, which has been getting a lot yeah. of buzz. That's that's on Curzon. I'm going to be paying a tenner to watch that. I'm going to be seeing Mr. Turner before the year's out. You know, I want to rewatch Only Lovers Left Alive inside Lewin Davis. I'd like to get to her again if I can. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, you know, there's there's catch up and reconsideration I, stuff under the skin. I want to give another watch. Yeah, you know, I do. So. I do as well. I, I've got a lot of stuff. To, I've got I've got a catch up list of stuff that I, that I want to catch uh, and I want to get watched. Um, before the end of the year, um, and I have a few catch-ups, like you say, Under the Skin, I'd like to uh, watch again, uh, I'd also like to watch um, Unlovers Left Alive again as well, um, I'd also like to watch Chef again, uh, but mainly because I like food, um, but you know, there's, there's sort of a few bits out there that I'd like to sort of give a, 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 a certainly give a rewatch to, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't need to rewatch Wolf of Wall Street, because I've, I've watched it six times this year. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen Wolf of Wall Street twice, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it again. I've um, yeah, six times. And to be honest, I could see me watching it again before the end. You know, I, I, I will slightly cheat though, because I'm assuming our year-end show will be Sunday the fourth. Yeah. And you know, a Birdman's out on New Year's Day, so I'm going to be watching that, and that's going to be in consideration. I'm going with anything from my the last time we did a dude in the monkey top 10 yeah so this time we do a dude in the monkey top 10 that's all in consideration so it also gives me a few extra days to catch stuff and and re-watch stuff yeah i mean i'm lucky i've got a week off um starting on well a week off from job number one i'm in job number two a couple of days but i've got a week off from job number one starting friday so i can get some fucking serious watching him yeah, there you go. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, so, you know, that, that'll be coming up in a few weeks. But anyway, let's move on. Let's yes. Move on. Uh, so, uh, next part of the underseen Scorsese marathon, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, here is the trailer for Kundun. I was thinking, is it foreign language? No, it's definitely no, it's not. not. Um, so, here's the trailer for Kundun. We'll get into it. Um, oh, fuck. My bloody computer isn't saying... It isn't working, so I need to find out who actually starred in Kundun. Uh, There's nobody. They're all, what is it? They're all amateurs, aren't they? Yeah, I'm gonna, like, I just, like, you know, just to be fair to them. Just to be nice. Responsibility. 
What can I do? I'm only a boy. You are the man who has come back to lead us. You must know what to do. The Chinese are once again trying to convince the world that Tibet belongs to them. You need to learn this. Religion is poison. We accept no conditions from the Chinese. They put their guns in the hands of our children and force the child to kill the parents. Your Holiness, the Chinese have invaded. If you stay in Tibet, we cannot guarantee your safety, Holiness. If you flee, you might never be able to return. Kundun is directed by Martin Scorsese and written by uh, a uh, ET writer Melissa Matheson. Uh, stars. Shit, you actually did, didn't she? Yeah, which is crazy. Oh, um, stars Tenzin Tutob Sarong, Gwermi uh, Fefong, Toku Yamyun Kunga Tenzin, Tenzin Yashi Pai Chang, Tencho Giyalpi Po. Tenzin Topjar, Ziwang Migyur Kangzar. I think I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> um, shit it off. Uh, story is, um, the Dalai Lama is found, uh, the 14th Dalai Lama, and um, he is taken to become the Dalai Lama. Uh, along the way, he meets Liam Neeson's mysterious Raz al Ghul, who teaches him that... <laughs> no. Um... He, uh, he, he, I'm finding, I'm having a mental block now, because all I can think of is that scene in Batman Begins where Liam Neeson's <laughs> face on the ice. Um, shit. Um, which isn't this film, surprisingly. Yeah. It basically, uh, then it kind of, the, uh, the adult Dalai Lama, um, has difficulties with the Chinese. Uh, they kind of start encroaching on, uh, Tibet and he has to work out how to deal with it first through cooperation and then through, uh, essentially passive, uh, uh, passive resistance. Uh, is that okay? Yes, I would say that's pretty much spot on. There we go. Okay. So, uh, Mark Kundan. Kundan. Uh, well, you, you're combining, um, Martin Scorsese with Roger Deakins, which is um, a match made in heaven, um, one would think. Um, <coughs> we've also got Philip Glass um, doing the music, which is always... Which, you know, I've got to say, 15 minutes in, I was like, this is fucking Philip Glass. Yeah, yeah it is It is incredibly Philip Glassy um, for it. Um, and you've got a, a really... Um, a really, really interesting um, story. Um, the, you know, the story of the, the, the finding of the uh, 14th Dalai Lama, and then of the, the, you know, of what happened of him going into exile into India, and, and all of his dealings there, and the fact that he's grown up as a Dalai Lama, still almost wanting to be a leader of um, Tibet, despite the fact that he's he's still a child essentially, and he's allowed to have some kind of power, but you're not really sure about how much power he's having, and there's all the the, the sort of politics of it all, and the fact that Tibet. You know, it was is very much stuck in its own kind of traditions, and there is an argument to say that that was a detriment for to it to itself to an extent. Um, the problem is, is is Kundun is it it very much skims the surface 
of um, 20 odd years worth of events and never delves deep enough to make it interesting enough uh, for these talented people that are working within it. It, it. it just seems like it's like it's somebody, uh, and I know it was written in 1997, so it didn't exist at the time, but it's like somebody has just looked at the chronological timeline of what's happened and written a scene about it and then has done that and, and has not delved any deeper into the actual fucking meat and bones of, of these things that happened. And thus we get two and a bit hours um, of the Dalai Lama growing into the Dalai Lama, but along the way coming across as seemingly not doing a lot, adding a bit of an attitude on him um, and being a little bit of a princess at points. Um, don't think it paints the 14th Dalai Lama in a brilliant light. <laughs> um, I mean, towards the end, it, he, I think he gets... Uh, a bit more understanding of the situation. He, he does towards the end, but, yeah, and then there's there's there's, there's that. Um, but he does seem to he's painted as he's weighed down by the whole the spiritual weight of it all, which is fair enough. You've got the spiritual weight of an entire fucking country upon your shoulders, but it, it just by that point you've spent an hour and forty minutes with him going. He doesn't seem to do an awful lot. Uh, yeah. Which 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 isn't actually as true as the the movie makes it seem. You know, if you know anything about the whole fucking story, it, it's not true. But this version of him, this incarnation of him, uh, and this telling of him does tell it a little bit like that. Uh, and it just it's it, it just seems to miss too many points. And it doesn't for the large part of the two hour fifteen minutes doesn't feel like a Martin Scorsese movie, I'm afraid. No, I mean, I I really liked the first half hour, 40 minutes or so. Like, yeah. I really liked it. The, uh, the, the kind of the more mystical side of the whole thing. Yeah. Where, you know, the, the idea that, you know, when he was born, uh, he didn't he didn't cry. And, you know, the, the mother suddenly remembers crows were mm. there. And, you know, how that links into things. And, I, I mean, I thought the standout scene for me came quite early on where um, they're kind of testing him and yeah. saying, like, what's pick, yours? What, pick, yeah, pick which of these are yours. Brilliant scene. Yeah, and even though, I will say, that guy leads him a little bit. Oh, like, yeah. when he picks up that wrong stick at one point, if he looked at that guy, the look on that guy's face, he totally would have been like, yeah, he doesn't want me to pick up that one. How about this one? What do you yeah. think of this one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's mine. This one's mine. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, it, when he picks up, when he picks up that staff, there's almost a comical Homer Simpson grabbing of the collar and going, Ehh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah, that, 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 that is exactly the reaction I was thinking of where it is just like, Oh mate, you're going R- <laughs> you, really? Yeah. No, no, no! You were so close. Yeah, yeah. I, it, but I mean, then when it's kind of like he realizes that shit, this is the Dalai Lama, and it cuts to like it, it, the, the guy's like mind's eye of the the ocean uh, and all that kind of stuff, and then Philip Glass's score is just going mental, <laughs> and, and it's just like that's that's kind of like. Scorsese pure cinema kind of stuff happening there but there's not really enough of it and like you say a lot of it is really straight biopic stuff Mm. that's I think it's a detriment because you know this is they don't explore the the Chinese invasion anywhere near enough 
Well, no, it's basically like, right, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna bring in all these farmers. You don't like it? Fuck you. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's basically the extent of the invasion on screen. Yeah, and it, it is, it is like that, and it's a little bit, you know, it just, like I say, it just skims the surface too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, it, it, it kind of feels like almost like Scorsese was thinking, I can't really do my usual stuff here because I'm, you know, I'm be, trying to be very respectful of the story and of the person. And there's, there's a sense of kind of like the respectable Scorsese weighing down Scorsese. Whereas, you know, in, in the years hence, I mean, like his his worst film of the last fifteen years, I'd say, was The Aviator, just because that was him at his most respectable. Mm. You know, um, even though that has its moments. But when when Scorsese is left to just do what he wants to do, and not that he doesn't give a fuck about anyone else, but just that he's gonna do what he's gonna do, then he produces gold. Yeah. You know, and there's just a sense here that he's tied down. By you know at the end it says based on the the tellings of the life story of the Dalai Lama and it's just like all right well you know you're not going to have the Dalai Lama doing quaaludes and having a pro- problem getting to his car in this you know yeah but it, that it, it'd be more interesting oh god yeah yeah no it's, or yeah. you know Dalai Lama fucking like um I'm doing the you talking uh, talk, you, am I a funny guy speech you know yeah and, you know, there's no there's no there's no punch to it. And it, there is actually a punchy story in there. Sure. Which is, which is really strange that it, it feels so lightweight. You know, there's, you, at the same time, uh, the same year actually, I think it was, uh, the, uh, Brad Pitt movie, Seven Years in Tibet was released, uh, about the German explorer, um, Heinrich Harrer, who, who ended up in Tibet and, you know, and it's not, solely about Tibet, but it is it does have um it does it is set in Tibet. It's called seven years in fucking Tibet, so part of it's a lot of it is set in Tibet. But that seems to have a little bit more punch to it and explores the political uh, tensions a little bit more. And it's a it's a similar running time. It's it's another two it's two hours and fifteen minutes. Um and I I've I've not seen that in a in a in a vast number of years. Perhaps I'm just talking complete crap. But I do remember thinking, you know, that had a little bit more bite to it than this does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't seen Seven Years in Tibet, but I could, I could imagine. That. I mean, I, I, I don't really have much more to say about it. To be honest, I mean, it is overlooked Scorsese. I'd probably say rightly so, but yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's not shit. No, it's definitely not I, shit. I, no. I'm not, I'm not even going to go touching cloth on it. Like, I, I got, I, I, I got enough out. Of it. The first forty minutes is great. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, there's enough, and the story is interesting enough. It's just. Sorry, excuse me. It's it's it is rather slight. Yeah, it, yeah, that's it. It's, it's <clears throat> you're dealing with a story about the about the Dalai Lama being Fort Dalai Lama being discovered, and then his constant, you know, in becoming the Dalai Lama, and then his exile to to India. You're dealing with that, yet, and it's two and a quarter hours long, yet it feels so slight. Yeah, it's a straight. It's a really, it's a really peculiar film. His conduct. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So there you go, Clinton. Um, not much to say about that. We'll have more to say next week as we finish up our marathon with uh, 1999's Bringing Out the Dead. Yes. Yeah, uh, which I'm quite looking forward to rewatching, actually, I must say. Yeah, I am as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, good old mad John Goodman. 
It is John Goodman, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, John Goodman's in it, yeah. Okay, good, good. I do remember it right. Okay, Twitter questions. My computer's not working, so Mark, go ahead. Uh, yeah, bear me two seconds. I should get them for you. I think we had one fairly early on in the week, but I might be mistaken. Let's have a look. No, we didn't. I am mistaken. First one, The Ginger Prince, TGP73. What's the worst Christmas present you've ever received? Shit. Uh, while you think about this, I'll go, because I have an instant answer for this one. Um, I received from my, uh, my gran, um, a, a, a baseball cap, right? Not a problem. Baseball caps are fine. This baseball cap had a radio fit into it that was fit into the side of it and it had headphones in the hat. Again, doesn't sound like that much of a problem. However, the baseball cap, to use the radio with it, you had to pull up an antenna at the side of it. <laughs> and the baseball cap was alternate colours on the patches, green, red, yellow and blue. And I was Badass. 15 years old Badass. when I got that. Yeah, I, Ironically now, I think if a 15-year-old got it, they'd probably wear it out of some kind of hipster irony. Yeah. Uh, which, while I'm not at it, right, no... No, 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 no. Just because you have a fucking beard doesn't mean you can put Christmas baubles in it. You should be, you should lose, somebody put it on Twitter, you should lose your beard privileges if you yeah, do that. It that. is the height of, oh, look at me, I'm, no, you're not zany, you're a cunt. Yeah. Stop it. No. I've got one. Go on. Brad once bought me for Christmas William Shatner's autobiography. That sounds brilliant. That sounds great. I'd read that. Nate, oh, I'll try and remember to fucking bring it with me to Noel Stag, then you can have it. But, I, when I read it, I would read it really slowly in William Shatner's voice as if he's singing it to me. There you go. Yeah, I know, that's brilliant. Uh, Christopher Vine, uh, with the current trend of splitting books into two films, have you ever felt a film should have been split into two parts? No. <laughs> that's a fucking, that's a, that's a strong answer. Um, just make the film be four hours long, it's cool. Yeah, I, I, I have that opinion. I, I, I don't subscribe to the opinion that, um, you can make a film, that a three hour film is, is too long. If a three hour film, and you're entertained for the entire three hours, that's fine. I don't think it's a default position. Um, going back, I suppose, something like um, Once Upon a Time in America would have been more palatable if it had been uh, two movies. So have a fucking intermission and to, be to done watch. with it. But yeah, but I don't have a prob problem with watching it as one entire movie. And the fact that they did split it into two movies to shot out of TV never worked. But... Um, it, it, Something like that, I, I could see a logic behind that, but I don't mind watching a movie for five hours as long as there's five hours worth of actual fucking movie there. Do, do you know what? Like, most of the time these days, I have to do my movie watching when I can. 20 minutes on the train here, 45 minutes, like, at home there, another 45 minutes later at home, like, some the next day. It, like, I, I don't get to watch a film all in one go all that often, so... It makes no fucking odds to me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, length of film doesn't, doesn't bother me. A film can only be, a film can strike for too long, it can strike for too short, but if a film's good, it's the perfect length. Yeah. Uh, Rich Kid, uh, at Rich Gear Kid, uh, with, uh, Matt during the Hobbits film series, uh, I'll start that again. With Matt during the Hobbit series at the third film, which film series can you or slash should you skip the first instalment or instalments? Oh, that's a great question. It's a very um, good question, that. Um, not that I right. Not that I think you should skip it, but I think um, the Indiana Jones movies all stand up as being standalone movies. Oh, but skip right? That's a lot. No, no, that's what I mean. I'm not saying you should skip it. What I'm saying is, is I, I don't think you'd enjoy um, any of the other movies less having not seen one of the other movies. Is what I'm saying there. Don't right. skip it because I think Raiders of the Lost Eyes the best of the movies. But there, but what ones should you skip? Um, so, so you're basically saying what franchise has had a shit first film but has then like actually been really good from the second yeah, one onwards pulled it back which is which, um, ah, I suppose fuck. that's a that's yeah it's a fuck one because often I mean, you could skip Friday the 13th and go to part 2 yeah technically when Jason comes into it but I Absolutely. quite like Friday the 13th so. yeah um hmm it's a difficult. It's a really difficult one to p- to pick out of of what you know, what the starting franchise movie isn't as strong as the continuing ones. I'm really struggling to think. I might come back to that next week and do a little bit of exploring on that one. Yeah, no. I'd, uh, I'm gonna favourite that and come back to it next week after doing a little bit of digging. It's a really good question, and I, I want to be able to answer it. I wonder if there are any. There's got to be one somewhere. Any other questions, though? But no, that, 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 that's, that's it for questions this week. Oh, fair enough. Well, shit. Fair play. I mean, appreciate all the questions, but fuck, that one really... Threw me, but I'm going to come back to that saying. next week. I'll, I'll yeah. definitely have a proper answer for it next week. If there is cool. one. If there isn't one, then I will. No, fair enough. Then. Okay, cool. So uh, that is it for episode 91 of Dude and the Monkey. Um, I think my childcare responsibilities are probably calling me, so i uh, better wrap this up. Uh, next week, I believe we're reviewing Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, yes, yeah, that, that, that's, that's fine by me, yeah. Coolio, and um, so a uh, potential candidate for like worst of the year, I suppose, uh, judging for it by the reviews. Uh, yeah, well, these I saw one person, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody who I actually give it, you know, would actually take uh, on board their opinions on film, saying that it's really, 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 really funny. But then since that, all I've seen is it's shit. There you go. Well, uh, oh, apparently uh, the. Um, Spectra script has leaked online. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Apparently uh, the third act, even though it was like an early draft, apparently so, the third act was a real mess or something. So but. there you go. If you want to ruin a film that you're looking forward to, go and chase that down. There you go. Um, nice. Um, and we'll also uh, finish off this course easy marathon with bringing out the dead. Uh, we've already decided the next marathon, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we have. So uh, we'll talk about that next week. Um, even though, to be fair, the marathon will probably take a break until the like the new January. Year. Um so yeah. Um but yeah that's gonna do. So uh do the monkey at gmail.com at dufos at Ian Loring at do the monkey. Mark anything else to say? Uh, no, just uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, like I say, send us questions at any point during the the week, uh, when you think of them or whatever or whenever. Absolutely. Nice. Alright, cool. So that is gonna do it and uh thank you, bye bye. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers guys. <laughs>